Good morning, everyone. We're in Genesis chapter 41 today. And in this scene, Joseph is still in prison from the accusation that he tried to make an advance on the Egyptian pharaoh's wife or leader's wife. And he, although he interpreted the dream prior, the the uh, cupbearer forgot about him in prison. So Joseph's still in prison, and now Pharaoh has a dream. And the cupbearer remembers Joseph and that he interpreted dreams perfectly, accurately. And he tells Pharaoh that I know a Hebrew uh, in prison that it can interpret dreams. So they went and got him. And he comes before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh asked him to interpret it. Joseph then answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. So he, he gives glory to God, which is really cool, that you know this isn't his own doing, that he can interpret these dreams. It's something that God has done, and he gives glory to God. And indeed, he tells Pharaoh that the dream indicates that there's going to be seven years of abundance in crops and then seven years of famine, like really severe famine, and that he should save the crops for the years of famine. And indeed, you know, Joseph's lifted out of prison. The, he finds favor with Pharaoh. He interprets his dream. Then he ends up becoming the one to organize the saving of this grain and even the, the selling of grain later during the famine. He it's just amazing how life has changed for Joseph. Let's just think about his life for a moment. You know, his dad showed him some favoritism. His brothers hated him. They were going to kill him. They sold him into slavery. They tell the father that, you know, he he got ravaged by a lion. And he ends up in Egypt for a long time. While he's in Egypt, he gets thrown into prison. He's in prison a long time. He's in a dungeon. And, and I mean, think about how awful that whole thing would be. Just a terrible set of circumstances. Abandoned by your brothers. Said, sent to be dead. Now in, in an Egyptian dungeon. Like, life couldn't be worse. But yet, isn't it amazing that in God, all this had a plan. And it's an amazing plan. You know, God said that he would... Bless Abraham's family, which is now Jacob's family, which is Israel, and that he would help them to be fruitful and multiply. And God knew that there was going to be a famine coming. So he, in this incredible fashion, sends Joseph ahead in this this peculiar way to become uh, imprisoned and then lifted out of prison to save grain. And ultimately, it's going to save Israel. And it's going to help them to multiply in Egypt. Just as God said, and uh, I think it, I thought it was interesting when he named one of the sons, um, he named the second son, verse 52, Ephraim, which means fruitfulness. How cool is that? Um, and indeed, Joseph's going to be the one that God's going to use to uh, make Israel fruitful and multiply and Man, what an incredible story. You know, we're going to see this lived out in the chapters to come when, you know, Jacob, Israel, ends up coming to get grain in Egypt. And what a reunion that's going to be when Joseph finally reveals himself to his family. Um, 
But how does this apply to you and I? Um, you know, this is a, a grand story. It's a grand thing that God did. I mean, I don't know that we can always say that we can be assured that they're, you know, in our trial and tragedy, it's going to work out this miraculous that it did with Joseph. But yet, you know, sometimes it does. And I think what we have to do is say, you know, when we're going through a hard time is, is hang on, trust God, do what's right. And sometimes it takes time. You know, Joseph was in prison two more years after he interpreted the cupbearer and Baker's dream. He's still in prison. You know, I haven't figured out how long Joseph was actually in Egypt, um, you know, before he got lifted completely out of prison, but he's been there a while. And, you know, he had to wait for God's plan to, to be revealed and um, keep being faithful. And sometimes, you know, God will see you through I, You know, one story from my own life, it's been, there's, there's multiple, but you know, gosh, back in 2003, I bought an old Victorian home and I didn't know about the history of the home. I just bought this house. It was next to a golf course at the time. Um, we were going to join the golf course. I was living right next door. You know, I was like, oh man, this is going to be awesome. But it needed a, a tremendous amount of work. And after we got into the home and started remodeling it. It cost a lot more to remodel it than what we thought. And we subdivided off a lot um, that overlooked the golf course. And we're like, oh, maybe we'll build on a house on that one day, you know? Well, then the, the market crash happened of 2008, the real estate recession. And we had an accept, we tried selling a lot. We had an accepted offer on it, but financing fell through because values were going down and and all of a sudden that lot that we had wasn't worth much anymore because of the depreciation that was taking place. And here we own this Victorian home that we had more money into than we wanted to. And here I was thought this was going to be like this great investment. And, you know, as it turns out, I'm sitting here with a mortgage and it was too big and we were trying to sell it and we couldn't sell it. And and that went on, you know, for a decade. And a, a lot of that time I was, you know, after that, that I didn't start pastoring until 2009, but I still lived in that house. I still kind of wanted to sell it. We still couldn't sell it. Man, it was like a trial, you know. It was interesting, though, when, when we had the house we and we tore off some wallpaper, we saw the initials on the wall of who the owner was. Uh, back in the day, because this home was from the 1890s. And I began going down to Waukesha County Historical Society and all that, and ended up doing history on the house. And I found out that there was a guy by the name of Richard King Jones that came over and settled our property in 1848. And he was one of the leaders of the area. And people came and started out in his barn, and then they would build a home from there. And they were religious people, Welsh Calvinists, that came over and formed Wales. And the first church services, the first weddings, funerals, all that kind of stuff was held on my estate. And you can read about it. It's called Brawny Berlin, if you ever go look at a sign in Wales. And if you see the historical sign talk about Brawny Berlin, that was the name of my farm. 
And by the time I owned it, it was only three acres and they had developed the golf course out of what was the Brownie Berlin farm. But I'm like, oh man, how cool is this? You know, all this rich spiritual history. It's like, God, how did I end up with this house? And yet it's been kind of felt like a curse. You know, I couldn't sell it. I had too much money into it. And at one time we had a, a stone building on the property. It was like a machine shed, but it was kind of cool stone. The roof was caving in and, and I was able to remodel that into a prayer cottage. And I, I just kind of felt like this rich history. And I was like doing my sermon preps in this little prayer cottage on the property. I mean, I really liked it there, even though it was kind of a burden and we couldn't sell it. So eventually, you know, many years later in 2019, we still kind of wanted to move on from it. We had now been there for 15 years. And finally, with the help of my son, we were able to talk my wife into trying out the property as an Airbnb. You know, people didn't really want to buy it. I don't know why. It's a great house. But they just didn't want old homes. But when it came to renting it, people just loved it. They loved renting it. And we've been now renting that house for uh, how many years now? 219. So it's been like four years that we've been renting that house, over four years. And it's worked amazing. It wasn't a plan. Didn't set out to be in the Airbnb business. Didn't just was looking for a solution to a problem. But it's worked out amazing. And uh, I remember when I saw it working at first, and we were singing a praise song in church on a Sunday morning. After all this trial, I can't tell you how much the trial was because we we had not enough money coming in and too much money going out for a long time. And I remember seeing that this was working. This finally came up with the solution, this Airbnb, and we were singing a song at church and it was called Waymaker. You know, how about how God makes a way. And I was literally just crying, thanking and praising God that he made a way. And, you know, it took a long time, but God ended up having a plan for that house. And, you know, we feel very blessed by it. Now, imagine Joseph, you know, getting thrown in a dungeon and then coming out and all of a sudden becoming like Pharaoh's secondhand man. And he will end up in the future chapters saving his family as a result of the situation that God put him in. You just never know what God's doing. Trust him even in the storm. Ultimately, he's got a place prepared for you in heaven. You can trust him for that. But sometimes you get to see his glory and you get to see his blessing and you get to see what God did through the storm on the other side here on earth. I pray that's true more of, of more of you. Please hang on. Keep your faith. Keep trusting God in your storm. God bless you all.